0: Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost, not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me?
1: Talking about a night that changed quickly. This was that night. Hours before, the twelve had gathered to celebrate the Passover together, to enjoy that time of Jewish tradition as they look back to the time of Moses. But something was different when they showed up that night. Normally a servant would wait at the door to welcome everybody in and he would have a basin of water and the servant would be on their knees and they would wash the feet of those that were to come in. But that night, Jesus was on his knees. They knew it was different. After he had washed their feet of their journey... He looked at him and said, On this night, one of you is going to betray me. Well, the group had no idea what he was talking about, and they looked to their left, they looked to their right, they didn't really know who it was. And Jesus said, Do what you must do. And Judas got up and he, he ran out. They were stunned. Did he really mean betrayed? Did he really, did, did he mean something else? Did Judas go to get something? And right after that, Jesus goes right in and he begins to serve what we know now as the Lord's Supper. but the, he breaks the bread, but it was different that night. That night, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and that was different. Then he took the, the wine that was there and he said, this is my blood which is spilled for you. Remember what I'm going to do for you. <laughs> I mean, If you're one of the 11, it's not a night that you saw coming. Yeah, he had alluded to it occasionally, but You didn't really think it would actually happen and you leave the upper room and you go down the hill to this little area in the garden called Gethsemane and you can tell he's he's overwhelmed and he said guys I, I, I need you to to sit here and pray. And then he takes three more inside with him, one of those being Simon Peter, and he said, I need you to watch and pray. I am sore, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. And they watched him go a little farther and fall down and begin to pray. But the problem was his night was different, but the disciples had gone to sleep, they were tired. And on different occasions, Jesus came back and said, "You guys, I really need you to pray, and they needed sleep more than they needed prayer, and they went to sleep. Finally, Jesus looks at Simon Peter and said, Simon Peter, pray that you won't enter into temptation. Your flesh is willing, but your spirit is weak. it must happen and Jesus gets up you can imagine being there that night it's dark middle of the night and the silence is broken by the sound of a Calvary coming nothing unites enemies like a common enemy Come in, or the Sanhedrin, there's three different groups of them. Well, now they've all banded together to come and arrest Jesus, and they didn't come for a peaceful arrest. They came and they brought their clubs. They had the Sanhedrin, they had the temple police, and they had the Roman guard. We know it was a cohort, so it could have been up to 400 to 1,000 soldiers. 400 minimum, 1,000 maximum that have come to arrest him, and they've brought swords, and they've brought lanterns, and now what was dark and quiet is now lit up. And if you've been asleep, like the disciples had been, you are now overwhelmed with what's happening. What's happened? Remember, there's just eleven of us. And then out of the light of the lanterns, steps the one they knew, Judas. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of the disciples that night? And you see that one that you, you've you traveled with this guy for three years. And he steps out. And he goes over and he kisses him. And everything unravels. what did the kiss mean? I mean, was it a a kiss of of affection or did he mean something else by it? And then you watch Jesus be arrested and taken away. And all throughout in your mind, you're going, how did that happen to Judas? Nobody suspected it. Nobody knew it. Nobody saw it coming. Oh, but it happened. And what happened to him? can happen to us too. Would you pray with me? Father, you left us a story for a reason. Father, it wasn't just to recount at Easter. It was to learn from and to apply. Father, over these few short minutes that we have together this morning, would you peel back a story we may have heard before? And, Father, let us walk in to something you want us to know. Speak to us, guide us, teach us. And, Father, we say when you speak, we will listen. And, Father, that is our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, if I have never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to Norrster. I didn't want to leave the crickets on any longer because some of you thought it was your nightlight, all right? It was like your little go to sleep thing. We don't need noise machines, all right? And so today we're going to begin this new journey over these next few weeks as we look at Easter and we look at all the different characters surrounding. All of them were on a search for something. Some found, some didn't find. But all of them teach us a lesson. This guy, Judas, we know him really well. We heard his name before, but we may not understand how powerful the lessons are from his life and how incredible that God left us this story for a reason bigger than us. So if you got a pen, pencil, something to write with, pull it out. If you've got your North Star Church app, if you're new to North Star, you can go to North Star Church Georgia in your app store, and you can download the app, and that will have our outline in it, and you'll be able to fill in the blanks, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. It is possible, it is possible to deal with the same disorder that Judas had, and here was his disorder. Judas had a hardened heart. Judas was probably a good guy. Judas was probably a a guy that, you know, you may not have always agreed with him, but you went, I didn't suspect he would go there, but he did. And I will tell you this, I don't think it happened in one decision. I think it was a little bit by a little bit by a little bit by a little bit, and Judas ended up where we found him that night. We know this from the upper room. All right, if we're doing investigation, we know this about the upper room. Nobody suspected Judas. So it wasn't like Jesus said, somebody here is going to betray me, and everybody went, yeah, that guy, right? And so it didn't happen that way. I've always known he was a shyster. It didn't happen that way. We don't think, the way the scholars wrote about it, we don't think anybody knew who it was. Man, they're looking to their right and they're looking to their left going, I I don't know who he's talking about. So how in the world do you go from being a follower of Jesus to a guy who sells him out? How does that happen? How in the world do you let your life get there? Ready? What are lessons we can learn? Lesson number one, the longer I hide from the truth, the harder my heart becomes. The longer I hide from the truth, the harder my heart becomes. Meaning this, when we feel like God has spoken to us and we distance ourselves from it, the harder it is later to do the thing we know we should have done. It's like sun on hard ground. Now, where we are in Georgia, you may be watching somewhere else in the United States or another part of the world, and you may not understand this, but in Georgia, Sunday means rain day, right? And so we don't understand what hard soil is anymore because it's wet all the time. But remember back in some of those droughts we've been in where that sun is just parching the earth? That's what happens to our hearts. In fact, sometimes the closer we are to the source, the harder our heart becomes. Now think about this. Judas had traveled every day with Jesus for three years. Three years. That means every miracle, he saw them. he He knew the names of people we just know the stories of. Judas knew what town they were in. He saw Jesus give blind people sight. He saw Jesus help lame people walk. He saw Jesus do miracle after miracle. In fact, this is what John says. Get this. John said Jesus did so many miracles, we can't even recount them all. That's what John said. There aren't enough books in the world. So he saw it all, and yet he missed it. The longer I hide from the truth, the harder my heart becomes. Do you know that it's possible in the year 2018 to sit in a church service every Sunday and hear it and sing about it, listen to the fish all week, and still not know the truth? Did y'all know that that's possible? The longer I hide from the truth, the harder my heart becomes. So let's look at a little background on Judas, all right? You don't have to turn there in your Bible. You look up at the screen with me. This is John. So here's how these gospels were written. These were written post-Jesus. It wasn't like they're journaling as they went along. They're recounting the stories. They're remembering the stories, writing them down years later is how they remember the story. So John is looking back, the one that Jesus loved, he says about himself. He's looking back at it, and he says this in John chapter 12, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he he who was about to betray him, he said this. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? All right, pause here. So there was a lady who took an alabaster jar of perfume. You remember this story if you've been around church a little bit? She took the alabaster jar of the perfume. She broke it. She poured it out on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. Everybody looks at it and goes, that is the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. I cannot believe that she did that. Everybody but Judas that wasn't Judas's response now there's a guy like this in every church and every crowd all right and so look at what Judas said look at what Judas said he said this not because he cared about the who he didn't care he could have cared less about the poor but because he was a what thief this wasn't his night when he betrayed jesus had happened months and years prior he had already made some choices that he had begun to stick his little grimy hand into the bag and having charge of the money bag he used and i love how john says this he used to help himself to what was put into it so they're going around taking up money and old judas is skimming off the top And yet this lady, in this act of worship, Judas is looking at her going, now what a waste of money. You wasted that money. Did he care anything about the poor, yes or no? No. Why? His heart was hard. See, hardened hearts don't start with one decision. Hardened hearts start with little bitty decisions along the way that begin to change us. And they begin to develop this this messed up character. And, And here's the thing. The more hardened our hearts get, I want you to write this down under number one. The more hardened our hearts get, the better we get at hiding it. The more hardened our hearts get, the better you and I get at hiding it. And it's not new to us. It started back in the garden with a couple named Adam and who? Eve. Started in the garden with them. They sinned, sin entered the world, and it said God came looking for them in the garden. And it said Adam and Eve were hiding from God in the garden. And, and Judas is now, he's hiding He's created this perception. He's somebody that he's not. He's created a perception that I've got it all together. Now, here's how jacked up this whole story is. You've got the Sanhedrin... So we're all the religious, we're just going to lump all the religious leaders together. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the temple police, you had the Roman soldiers, all throughout the gospel, as soon as Jesus' ministry begins, after he does his first miracle, they're ready to kill him. They were always ready to take Jesus aside, but they could never get to him. They could never figure out exactly. They needed somebody to sell out, and guess who the sellout was? Sellout was going to be Judas. Now, this is how hard Judas' heart had gotten. It's one thing to to have a hard heart, but yet to not really be hardened. This is how hardened Judas' heart was. I want you to read this with me. So, this is Mark. Now, get this, this this is crazy. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12. This is on that night in the garden. Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a crowd with swords. And that was for battle. It wasn't for looks. They expected a fight. They came with swords and clubs from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. It's amazing how enemies can gather up against somebody. These guys hated each other. But yet that night they had a common enemy and his name was Jesus. So they gathered up with each other. Look at what happened now the betrayer what was the betrayer's name judas now the betrayer had given them a sign get this this is craziness the betrayer had given them a sign time out it wasn't their idea how it was going to go down it was judas's idea how it was going to go down it wasn't them going hey Judas, here's what you need to do. No, 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 no. Judas came up with the idea. Judas went to them and said, I can get you, Jesus. He started the whole deal going on. And now he shows up and he tells them, hey, guys, I'm going to give you a sign, which means this. Which means this. I'm going to pick out one of those 11 and the one I pick out. Now, help me out real quick. Did they know who Jesus was, yes or no? Yes, they knew who Jesus was. Did Judas know who Jesus was, yes or no? Yes, he traveled with him three years. Why would he do this? There's a couple reasons. One, in, during the night you could blend in. So it means Jesus didn't have like this halo above his head that signified him from all the He looked like all the others as they stood there that night in darkness. Why would, he, why would he do this? I think it was the ultimate act of betrayal. So I want you to look at what happened. This is really interesting. So here's the sign I'm going to give you. He tells his his buddies, his new little friends. Here's the sign I'm going to give you. The one I will, what's that word? Yes. Is the man. Now, back during that time it was customary to kiss upon greeting. A servant would kiss the feet, a contemporary would kiss either the hand or the cheek, especially when in the presence of a rabbi. This was not unusual. He said, the one I will kiss is the man. Now, here's the ironic thing about this. This kiss was done in such a way if you were a disciple there, you wouldn't have known, is he betraying him or is he coming back? You wouldn't have known. You didn't know the whole side conversation. You just see Judas walk up and give him a kiss. I'm going to give him a, an, a kiss of respect and of affection. Seize him. And lead him away under guard. This is all Judas's little plan that's being enacted. But look at what happened. And when he did come, so Judas steps out of the shadows and he walks up to him at once and he said, Rabbi, and he what? He did what? What is that word? Kiss. It's different. It's a different word. Said the same. Different meaning. He said, I'm going to give him a respectful kiss what it meant. This was a different one. Do you know what he did? This is how hard his heart got. He went up and began to shower him with kisses of affection. You remember the story of the prodigal son when he came home and it said the father went out to meet him and he began to kiss all over his son's face. It's the same word used there. How in the world could you get there? I want everybody to look at me a hardened heart. And I want you to hear me and I want you to hear me well. You can be there too. You say no to the truth long enough, your heart can end up right where Judas's was. I mean, it wasn't like he just sold him out. Judas made a spectacle of kissing over him. Why? How could he do that? Because his heart was so messed up. Do you ever just watch TV sometimes just to watch TV and go, I'm not as jacked up as those people. Do y'all ever do that sometimes? You're like, man, they are messed up. They're some messed up people. You look at this and go, I could never do that. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. I watch people do it to families. I watch people do it to careers. Their hearts get hardened. Little choice after little choice after little choice builds a hardened heart. Point number two. Ready? The biggest obstacle to knowing Jesus isn't failure. It's the hardening of the heart. The biggest obstacle to Jesus isn't failure. It is the hardening of the heart. Yes or no, all right? So if you're new to North Star, ask lots of yes or no questions because you got a pretty good shot at getting it right, all right? And so if you've been out of church a long time, you're like, hey, I did really good today in church quiz, all right? And so, so time out. So I was in seminary, I've told this before, this is a pretty funny story, but I was in seminary and I was a a high school, I was a youth pastor, middle school, high school students, and we used to do this thing called breakfast club where I would drive kids to school in the morning. And I said that day, I was driving them back and they said, what are you working on today? And I said, well, I gotta go to seminary. And they're like, what's seminary? And I said, that's like church school right i mean it's like i'm going to get a degree about the bible and one of the guys one of the kids who's seventh graders explains a lot he said so what do you take do you take like bible math or something i mean do you have like nine disciples were in the boat two jumped out how many are left all right and so so that's a funny story but anyway so back 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 in the story so yes or no question yes or no question did judas fail jesus yes or no Okay, this is a response question. Please, the crickets are off now. You can help me, all right? So, I don't need personal crickets. All right, here we go. Did Jesus, did Judas fail Jesus, yes or no? Yes. Yes. But is he the only one in the story that failed Jesus? No. In fact, there's another guy in the story. His name was Simon who? Simon Peter. Yeah, Judas was a massive Colossal failure. But so was Simon Peter's. So Judas betrayed him with a money bag. Simon Peter betrayed him with a sword. Right? In fact, Simon Peter, when they were in the garden, Jesus had told him this was going to happen. But Jesus' response to these two failures is very different. All right, time out. Everybody look at me. You're going to fail. You're gonna fail God. With all the best intentions, you're gonna fail God. Give you long enough. Some of you, man, I'm gonna do, we just finished 21 days of prayer. For all of you that are new to North Shore, but we did 21 days of prayer. Some of you are like, I'm gonna do prayer for 21 days, and on Tuesday, you were out, all right? And so you're like, oh, it started Sunday, two days in. Ah, oh, I forgot, all right? And so that happens to you, right? That's why we send up those little reminders and we don't let our friends look in, all right? And so we, we, we do that because we're gonna fail. That happens. Here's the difference in the failure. The difference is the heart of the one who failed. So look at the story with me. Jesus said to him, friend, this is to Judas, friend, do what you came to do. Where I said Judas knew Jesus, Jesus knew Judas. They traveled together for three and a half years. Friend, do what you came to do. Did Jesus rebuke Judas and talk him out of it? Yes or no? No, he did not. Could Jesus have taken care of this that night with Judas? He would, could have incinerated, you would have incinerated Judas on the spot. Jesus didn't do that. Friend, do what you came to do. And then they came and laid hands on him and they seized him. They didn't rebuke him. You know why? Everybody look at me. Because his heart was already gone. And Jesus knew that. Judas' heart had left a long time ago. It was just a matter of time. But that's not the same story that happens with Simon Peter. Judas fails with the money bag. Simon Peter fails with the sword. So, The brouhaha gets going out on the field. The little skirmish is about to break out. They have come for war. There are between 400 and 1,000 Roman soldiers along with the temple police, all expecting violence that night. There's 11 disciples. Of all 11 who were arming themselves, shocker, Simon Peter. All right, and so Simon Peter's got a sword. Look at the way the story is captured. Look at Jesus' response to Peter. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So we get the guy's name. I don't know if he sued Simon Peter later, but anyway, so we got record of Malchus's name here. But Simon Peter, in the heat of the moment, whacks whack. Guy's ear is gone. Look at the way the story goes. Jesus looks at Peter. He could have looked at Peter and said, "Well, thanks for sticking up for me, Simon Peter. File him in mean, one of the eleven. At least I got one guy." That's not what he said. Jesus said to Peter, "Put your sword into its sheath." Simon Peter, what are you doing? That's what he said. What are you doing? Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And you know immediately Simon Peter's mind, boom, goes right back to the garden when Jesus kept talking about that cup that he had to drink from. Did Simon Peter, yes or no, fail Jesus that night? Yes or no? Why did Jesus rebuke Peter but not Judas? Because he knew Peter's heart was still tender and Peter could come home that's why it's interesting we always think well you know when you fail listen some of us sit in chairs this morning and we have failed god to an incredible degree and we think god is done with us if you are still living and you are still breathing and you still have life on this earth you can still come home no failures ever fatal until you let it become final that's a fact no failure is ever fatal till you let it become final. Simon Peter's wasn't final. In fact, we know later in the story, we're going to talk about old Simon Peter here in a couple weeks. Simon Peter's going to fail again, out by warming his hands. But Simon Peter had a heart that was still tender. Point number three, my failures don't have to define me. It's what I do with those failures that count. Those failures don't have to define me. It's what I do with those failures that counts. That night, two failures one by Judas, one by Simon Peter. Judas' failure did him in, Simon Peter's did not. But something really interesting happened. In the story, This is like, a, like one of those mysteries that you're watching. You're like, okay, I didn't know that happened. Judas concocts the idea. Right, let, me, let me set the story. We're going to dive in and we'll be done. Judas concocts the idea. I'm going to sell Jesus out. He gets 30 pieces of silver. That's what you would get when you would sell a slave. That's what it was, 30 pieces of silver. He concocts the idea. He comes up with a plan of how he's going to betray him. I'll go kiss him. You'll know the one who he is when I kiss him. The ultimate act, ultimate act of betrayal was the kiss. Ultimate act. It wasn't like he pointed across and said, Yeah, I I feel bad. It's him. So Judas starts the whole ball rolling. Snowball's coming down the hill. They arrest Jesus. They take him out. They try him. Bogus trial. Should never have happened, but they try him. They convict him. They release Barabbas, another great part of the story, and then they beat Jesus to a living pulp. And Judas feels bad. Look at the story. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned... This is is interesting. I bet you didn't, these are parts of the story you just don't know. When he saw that he was condemned, he did what to his mind? What's that word? He changed his mind. What the heck have I done? What in the world have I done? There's another word you could substitute there and the word is remorse. He felt remorse for what he had done. He changed his mind, and he brought back that 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and to the elders. He goes running back to these guys, and he's like, I've made a grave mistake. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He hasn't done anything. And they said, they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself I want you to write down two words and I'm done ready remorse and repentance two words remorse and repentance remorse is feeling bad but doing nothing about it with God repentance is feeling convicted and going home to God does that make sense to everybody Remorse is feeling bad. God, I should have never done that. But never going to God with it. He went to the chief priest, but they weren't God. Remorse and repentance. In fact, if you go back in that story of that prodigal son I was telling you a second ago, it said he had spent all his dad's money and he'd gone away. And here's the part of the story. Catch this. Catch this. It said he was eating the, the food that the pigs would eat because he'd spent all his money. And the Bible has a really interesting phrase that fits with repentance. And here's the phrase. Everybody look at me and I'm done. And when he came to his senses, he got up and went home. That's what repentance is. When they come to your senses, when you go, oh, all of this is about me. See, so you may have started coming to North Star with your girlfriend, or you may have started coming with your, your spouse or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, and, man, you've sat, you love the music, music's great, and entertained, you laugh. You started feeling this tug, like, okay, I think this might be about me. It's really interesting, Hebrews says it this way, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hear it three times in Hebrews. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Do you know what that means? When God begins to speak to you, act. Because every day you don't act, tomorrow's going to be a little harder to act. Right? It's the whole, I'm going to start a diet next Monday. Right? And so, it gets harder, doesn't it? It's just going to, don't look at me and judge me. All right? And so, but it gets harder. Well, so does this. Today... When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Three different times that's said in the book of Hebrews. Three times. Judas knew Jesus for three years. But his heart was gone. His story doesn't have to be your story. Would you pray with me? I sat in a restaurant the other week with a good friend of mine and he said, Mike, every Sunday when I walk in there, it's like there's just this pull. There's a tug. Yeah. It's not me. Not the music. It's the Holy Spirit. I looked at him across that table we were sitting at and I said, man, are you ready to come home? God's been calling you, man. I, boy, his words just leapt out of that restaurant. He said, "I'm ready to come home." Is that you today? I, I'll tell you this: not to scare you. Next Sunday's going to be harder than this Sunday. He left us the story so you can learn from your failures. Your failures don't have to be final. How many said it in my mic? Fact of the matter is, dude, I don't know Jesus. I don't want to go another day. I don't want to sit beside my wife. I don't want to sit beside my husband. I don't want to sit beside my roommate. I don't want to sit beside my friend for another week and say no to what I know God's telling me to do. Today, when I hear His voice, and I've heard His voice, I'm walking towards him. I'm getting up, going to my senses, going home. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. It's not the words. It's the the heart. It goes like this. I want you to pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. And I believe you died a brutal death for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died a brutal death for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Would you pray that? And be my personal Lord and Savior today. I ask you, him. eternity sits on the edge of their seat, watching you. If today you say, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you today for the very first time. I don't want the hardened heart. I want to come home. I want Jesus to live in me. If that's you, I'm just going to count to three make it really easy so we know when to do it. At the count of three, if that's you today and you say, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you, I just want you to lift your hand on the count of three and hold it up because we got a little gift we want to give you to say congrats and come on we got a great journey ahead if that's you today and you prayed that prayer I want you to lift your hand on the count of three ready one two three would you just lift your hand right where you are this morning just lift your hand and hold it up lift your hand and hold it up so they can see it we got hands all over this room hands all over this room just lift your hands, hold them up. Man, there are hands all over this room. If you're online today, you can touch that button that said, I asked Jesus in my heart, and there's somebody, a pastor online, waiting for you right now. Just keep those hands up. I see some in the back corner back there. I know True North, y'all are looking right now. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God, thank you. Thank you for a church we can find our way home. Thank you for a Savior who waits for us to come home. And God, thank you today that there are people in this room and in these rooms and on this stream that found their way home to you. And God, we celebrate that today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.